You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast raising the bar at workplaces everywhere. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective are their own and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we are talking with clinical psychologist, Dr. Natalie Marr, no stranger to the challenges and despair that can happen during significant life transitions. Dr. Natalie has created Learn to Love Your Story. It's an online resource where she teaches on many different self-help issues through vlogs, blogs, and online courses. On today's episode, we're going to be continuing our focus on new beginnings by delving into the topic of self-care. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Workplace Perspective has a new website. Visit us at www.workplaceperspective.com. Check out our new look, including our featured guests and archive sections. Share us with your friends and colleagues to help us continue to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Dr. Natalie Marr. Thank you, Teresa, for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here today with your listeners. Uh, Me too. I'm so excited to to keep talking about this topic and there to continue our conversations that we've been having this month on the show about self-care. Before we get started, though, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you and what you do? Sure. I coach women in midlife uh, who feel stuck and alone, even though they've done all the right things. They're successful in their careers and with their families. It's my mission to really help this group of women make self-empowered choices and rediscover their love for life. As a clinical psychologist and a woman in midlife myself, (laughs) I know um, how it feels to be suffering and sometimes suffering in silence because we don't like to talk about these things. We feel kind of guilty for not loving our lives. Um, Other people have it worse than us, that kind of thing. And it's really just my passion to help this kind of unnoticed group of women uh, find their love for life again. I love that. Mm-hmm. I, love I love it. Well, we titled this show Selfish is the New Selfless um, because uh, in talking about new beginnings and what we can do uh, with this with this new year laid out before us, 2022, how can we how can we start with new beginnings? How can we take a fresh perspective? And um, in preparing for this show, we were talking about this idea of being selfish and what it means to be selfish uh, in order to be selfless, yeah, and yeah. what that takes. Um, so tell me, I want to hear your thoughts on this idea because I, I just love the title that we came up with, uh, and I like the idea about rethinking what it means to be selfish. Uh, in this aspect of self-care. Yeah, right. Well, selfish, I mean, clearly has negative connotations. We we don't we right. don't want to be selfish. We've been taught not to be selfish. And in fact, I think women 
very specifically have been taught to be selfless and that much of their self-worth comes from how well they caretake all the people in their lives, their communities, their jobs, their families. And so selfish is the new selfless, I think is such a beautiful um, turn on this concept. It's, it's the idea that honestly, to be selfless, you have to be dialed into your self-care. And that is just something that I don't think culturally that, or, you know, in, in all of COVID even that we've been teaching ourselves to be doing, to put ourselves before the people in our lives, the communities, the families, we, we often kind of think of ourselves as an afterthought. And so it's really my philosophy to turn that on its head, you know, like being on the airplane, you got to put that mask on yourself in order to be able to put it on your kid or whoever's sitting next to you. Right. Yeah. So we need yeah. to do this. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I like too, about this idea of turning it, because when you talk about being selfish and taking care of yourself, it sounds very self-centered, but the, concept is not self-centered at all, no. right? It's it's so that you can be the best person that you can be for the others in your life. That's right. And that's why I, I focus it that way. Working with women in midlife, I mean, almost none of us would say we're ready to put ourselves first yet. We're, we're still very much sandwiched between raising children and now also caretaking older generations, parents, right, that are aging. And so the idea of, oh, let's just put all put all that to the side and do your <laughs> self-care isn't really, it's not really tangible to this group of people. So that's why I teach it this way is that if this is an other-centric thing. If you want to be able to be a good caretaker, you're going to have to raise you up first so that you can do that. Right. And I think, you know, I, there are many people who enjoy that role. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, I, I had a conversation with someone who was talking about the fact that sometimes in midlife, we gravitate towards that role uh, mm -hmm. as, we, as we continue to age, maybe not have been that way before. But for some reason, you know, we gravitate towards that caregiver role. It's yeah. An interesting phenomenon. It is an interesting phenomenon. I mean, we've got some wisdom and definitely aren't as um, the sky is falling, the sky is falling as we were when we were young adults. <laughs> I don't got know some, if I'm, I don't know if I'm shaking experience. that yet or not. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, I haven't shaken it completely either, but I, you know, we're able to, to kind of figure out things. And I think that's, that's part of that, that natural progression. And this idea about, self-care so that you can be selfless, you can be the best person that you are. There's another aspect to that side of it. And that's something that you mentioned to me when we were preparing for the show that I really loved. You made the comment about just loving this whole mess yep. we find ourselves in. Tell mm -hmm. me a little bit more about that. Well, I think um, one of the, the biggest barriers is these social constructs we have around, I'm going to have to arrive at being ready for self-care to actually do it, or I'm going to have to, you know, hit this goal or everything's going to have to look a certain way for me to be able to enjoy my life. Um, and, you know, thousands of hours I've sought across the couch from people saying a variation of this, like, well, when all of this happens, then it'll feel better. Um, no, 
uh, all that never really gets there. I think COVID has really taught us that, schooled us on that quite a quite a bit, you know. So I want to teach people to love the mess. I want you to just love life now before you arrive at wherever you're aiming at. It also kind of allows you to be a little bit more agile and fluid in your life, you know, because we change goals as we age too. <laughs> Things right. that, you know, we right. migrate into different directions. And so if you think about just loving yourself and loving the big mess of your life as it is now, that really gives you a, a more open-minded view of life in general. And don't you think that you said you mentioned flexibility, which I like, but don't you think it also helps you deal with the bumps? Oh, for sure. It's a growth mindset to be nerdy about it. That's that's what we would call it in my industry. So of course it's going to help you with the the bumps. It's going to help you not have that change fatigue that all of us seem to be kind of weighted under right now, two years into COVID, right. um, because it just never feels like we can be in a set point. If you can have that agility of loving the mess and just being okay with what comes at you and fluidly going through your life, absolutely that helps you with the bumps. You expect the bumps. The bumps are the the constant. You just don't know what they're going to look like. So you you know how to take care of you in that change process. I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that in, in doing it, we've been uh, talking about this, our second show on New Beginnings. And we were talking about that very thing about looking uh, looking at the journey and not not the end result. Um, right. And I think that's kind of a little bit about what you're talking about as well as being, being able to be sort of on the road yeah. um, to where you're going mm-hmm. uh, and not getting so hung up in where you need to be Correct. how you're going to be when you get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause then you miss out, right. Then, then we are in a perpetual state of preparation instead of in living. And that's not going to help, you know, anybody at all. You, you'll miss out. You'll miss out on what's happening right now. I can, I like that. I like the way you phrase that in a constant state of preparation. Cause I do think that people do that. You know, you get so hung up on, okay, this one, what did you, but in order to do this, I have to do first this, yes. this, and this. And then that, well, and then if that falls into place, it'll work. And then, you know, pretty soon you haven't, you haven't done anything. <laughs> You've done nothing. Uh, <laughs> if it were me, I would have made five different lists because that's what I do. Oh, yes. <laughs> On my five different planners with my exactly. color coordinated pens and highlighters. I'm with you on that one, Teresa. (laughs) That is exactly me. That is exactly what I do. I can totally relate. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get practical. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Take a step toward bringing our country and community together. Start a meaningful conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us, like us, give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us and it ensures more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking with Dr. Natalie Marr about new beginnings and how selfish is the new selfless. So as I said, when we went to break, we're going to come back, we're going to get practical. Right. We love practical on this show. Mm -hmm. So what I'd like to do is I understand you have some ideas for getting everybody on the road 
to start yes. enjoying that journey, to start working towards whatever it is they're going to start working towards. So let's let's talk about that. Yeah. And I like that you use the metaphor road. Um, I'll start with this. I like to put things in nice, neat packages so that people will remember the steps, right? Like that just is how our brains cognitively work. And so as a clinical psychologist and a self-proclaimed nerd, I like to do that so that it's easy and you'll take it with you. So what we're going to talk about today is ACING your self-care. And we're going to use that acronym ACE, A-C-E, to help you have some steps here. But the reason I like the metaphor of road is I'm not going to give you a roadmap. You're going to create your roadmap with this ACE acronym. And that is how I help everybody. I'm going to teach you to fish. I'm not going to give the fish to you. That doesn't really help people um, long term, right? So to ACE self-care, let's start with awareness. A is for awareness. And self-awareness is an under... Um, it's an under champion skill set, I think, uh, for for many of us, oh, yeah. especially women in midlife who have been taught to be other focused and caretakers. Um, we really let atrophy this idea of understanding and knowing ourselves and checking in with ourselves. We're always looking outside of us to tell us how inside of us feels, and that just doesn't make sense, right? So self awareness is something that you must have in place in order to figure out what self-care is going to look like for you. I mean, I can certainly, you know, find a cosmopolitan article on here's some, here's five steps to self-care and that might work for me, but it might not work for you, Teresa. And so self-awareness is really where you have to start in order to really uh, find what it is you need. You got to know, you got to know where you're lacking to know where you need to refill. Well, I agree. I said about it being an under underutilized sort of skill set. Mm-hmm. And I see it in business a lot where the individual who's a, a leader or a manager, if you're not self-aware, it can cause a myriad of problems, not only in your own career, but the impact that you have on others uh, because you are not aware of how your, you know, the possibility that somebody could be seeing something different from your perspective. Just that idea. And I think just figuring out, focusing a little bit on who you are, even whatever setting you choose, whether it's a personal setting or whether it's just who are you when you walk into the office? Who are you when you come to work? Because sometimes it might be too overwhelming to look at all the... (laughs) All the dust bunnies under your own carpet. But yeah, yes, <laughs> work might be a little bit easier. But that idea that you take who you are in that space and look at it just a little bit. I love that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We're aware. We're aware. And then we need to have compassion. So I actually marry these two together in a lot of the things that I teach on Learn to Love Your Story. I call it compassionate self-awareness. You must be compassionate, kind, and understanding towards yourself when you start to become aware of things. Why? Because we're actually wired to get self-critical, which I don't think is something that most people are aware of. So as a clinical psychologist, I'm going to tell you, you're actually wired to be a mean girl to yourself, (laughs) which is funny, right? Because we all we're so frustrated by this, but it's part of that fight flight system. 
if we see a problem, we're going to fix the problem and we're going to fix it with fighting it or fleeing it. And being self-critical is just a fight response. So if we can have compassion for ourselves, that that's going to be how we normally show up to seeing something that we're doing that we don't like, then we can just take that pause, a deep breath, and through that understanding lens, go, okay, of course I would feel this way about this. And now I want to show up differently, which is kind of what you're talking about. How, do, how can we walk into the office? Who are we showing up as? And if we notice that we're showing up as you know a jerk and we didn't really want to do that today, we can take that pause if we can have compassionate self-awareness. Uncompassionate self-awareness leads to more problems. We just keep beating ourselves up and the cycle repeats. It's a kind of a rinse repeat cycle that is not a useful or helpful way to affect change in your life. So with your improving your self-care and acing your self-care, if you have this compassion for yourself, when you're noticing things like, oh my gosh, I just spent 18 hours today and only 20 minutes was for me what? Like, really? And that is what we uncover. I mean, if you're paying attention, you'll start to uncover that you're really not putting the mask on you first. You're putting it on every single other person and you're thinking of yourself as an afterthought. So be compassionate because you're going to notice that and we don't want to beat ourselves up about it. Even though you're wired to beat yourself up about it, just notice, take that pause, and then you can affect change differently. Strikes me as you're talking is the idea about not being the mean girl, but being realistic. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I think there's a negative part. It, so what keeps coming to my mind is this, this idea that you'd, you'd, sometimes the negative voice helps or sometimes the anxiety help, you know, that kind yes. of thing. But how does that figure into that idea? If you think of your emotions as your body-mind's way of sending you messages... We can let go of some of our social programming or conditioning about um, there are positive and there are negative emotions. There aren't. There just are emotions with different messages. And so I like that you say like anxiety then doesn't have to be a bad guy. It becomes a, a message to us about something that's happening inside of us. So, right. we're, you know, we go back to that self-awareness. Don't look outside you to name that. Look inside you. Like, why does my anxiety arise right now when I walk in the front door at work? Why, why is that happening to me? Let me stay curious, compassionately aware about that because it may start to then reveal itself and I can course adjust. I can, you know, care for myself right. and show up differently when I, you know, am not so frustrated at my anxiety like, Oh, why is it showing up? I literally this week I had a client to say to me, "Can't you just tell me how to turn these things off?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, no, nope. It's it's not actually how we work. It's not a faucet. I'm not a plumber. You can't turn your emotions off. However, you can learn to work with them and to better understand them. And I think so much of what we're taught." Um, it, it's counterintuitive to that, right? It's right. It, anxiety is bad. Get rid of the anxiety. What if anxiety is just a message and I bring it in and I listen to it and then I course adjust and then anxiety goes away because it doesn't need to message me anymore, right? I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I learned that in, uh, you know, growing up as a dancer and, and doing that for a very huge chunk of my life, it was pain. So because you, you know, from the time you're very little, 
you just move through the pain. Yeah. But it was a revelation to find that, you know, it's actually sending you a message. It's your body sending you a message. So what's your body saying? Don't, so don't mask it. Don't, you know, treat it with a bunch of aspirin so you don't feel it anymore. You have to figure out what it is. It's sending you, sending you a signal. So yes. it's kind of the same sort of idea. Very same that. thing. Yeah. yeah. Just your that. physical body versus your emotional body. Right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. Mm-hmm. We are being aware. We're being aware compassionately. And then if we really want to ace this self-care thing, the last piece is to make empowered choices. You know, empowerment is you're taking back your own agency in your in your world, taking back your choices in your world. So instead of doing the thing that you think you should do, empowering yourself to do the thing that you know is right for you to do. And that is really how we can tap into self-care. And I, you know, a great example of how this comes up is when our roles seem to um, come in conflict with what we really need for self-care. So as a single mom, right, I, I, there's a lot of things I have to do. Like I can't just let these little people run out in the world on their own. I am responsible for them. And that, that takes a lot of my focus. And so if what I need in my self-care, what I've come compassionately aware of is I need more time, 20 minutes in my 18 hour day is not sufficient um, it, sometimes that feels in conflict with things like my role as a single mom or just as a mom at all. Right. And you have to, ha- to, to, to just take that pause again and make those empowered choices like, yes, and if I set aside two hours of my 18-hour day that is for me, not necessarily all at one time, but always make a point of making it two hours for me, I show up better in the other 16 for those kids. I always do. It, it never fails, you know? It always is a hard thing for me to, to put down on paper, on my planner, looking right. at it like, that's a selfish thing to do. But then we have to reframe that. Like, okay, but selfish is that new selfless because I show up better in my job as a mom if I can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's true. And I think part of, part of even getting there is just acknowledging how hard that is. Yes, absolutely. It's yeah, so like, tough. Right, and this it's is hard, so but... against like everything that you've been taught thus far that it's super uncomfortable to do. I, I, I sometimes say excruciatingly uncomfortable. It's not painful, but it is uncomfortable to go outside what you have normally done and and start to put yourself first. It just doesn't feel right. And if it doesn't feel right, then you're doing it right because you're breaking that cycle. That's that's how you know. That is an awesome point mm-hmm. because it's eventually it will become less. That right. that message will transform. Right, it becomes your new pattern. Absolutely, absolutely. I love it. Well, cheers to that. Mm-hmm. I love that at all. All right. So as we wrap up today's show, do you have any final thoughts for the future or words of wisdom as we as we move into this new year? Absolutely. I just want people to love themselves where they're at. Clearly, that is the whole point of learn to love your story. And what I mean by that is if if where you are is struggling, that's okay. Just be you. Just be where you're at and love yourself through that. And if you have a struggle in loving yourself through that, think about how you would treat a good friend, a good family member, somebody at work. You always allow compassion 
and, you know, for them to have their moments of, of crippling and falling apart, love yourself in those moments too, because it's just as powerful coming from you. Awesome words. Awesome advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Natalie, for joining me and our listeners and for sharing your thoughts and expertise with everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You can learn more about Dr. Marr by visiting learntoloveyourstory.com. You can also connect with Dr. Marr via our website at workplaceperspective.com. I want to also thank our listeners, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night, and Workplace Perspectives team extraordinaire, our engineer and producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Versaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective. And until next time, keep raising the bar. 